Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Want me, to, want me to use this one? It'd be weird to use two microphones, wouldn't it? I could. That's it. I like to use my hands to talk. I love it. For those of you who might be a little bit like, is the candle on or not? Because it's on. Just there it is. Because my first thought was, I'm lighting that candle since I get back up there. Well, yeah, that's good. Hey, a couple of quick announcements. First off, if this is your first time here, welcome. Uh, I hope you've already been welcomed. Uh, receive it again. We're glad that you're here. Uh, your presence brings something more to our gathering today, and we're grateful for it. Uh, if you would, before you leave, I'm going to put a connect uh, QR code on the screen right now. Uh, if you would be so bold, man, grab your camera uh, from your phone and shoot that, and uh, just fill out your name, your mobile number, and your email address. The reason why we ask that information uh, is not to spam you with our stuff, but it's to hear your story. We want to, we'd love a chance just to connect with you, know what God has going on in your life, and figure out how we can support you, pray for you, encourage you in that. And so uh, we also have this QR code out in the lobby as well. Uh, before you leave today, I'd love to meet you uh, and hear a little bit more about what's going on in your life. Thank you again for being here this morning. The one other announcement that I wanted to put in front of you is our partnership with Hope Ministries. Uh, just an incredible ministry. They have what they, what they call a client choice food pantry. So uh, this is a ministry in the Baton Rouge area uh, where they not only have a food pantry, but it's a food pantry set up as a grocery store where they intentionally provide the opportunity of choice. Uh, so we love to like partner with this organization. Each month we find out what they need so that we can add, provide that alongside all the other groceries that they provide. This month they need condiments. So those things that you would put on hamburgers or hot dogs. So whether it's ketchup, whether it's mustard, whether it's mayonnaise, uh, they have a good supply of peanut butter, but they really could use jelly. So we have a, a shopping cart in our lobby all throughout the course of this next month. Uh, if you would, bring condiments with you to church so that we can support and join Hope Ministries uh, in their client choice food pantry. All right, so we are in a sermon series that we are calling Who We Are. It's just a quick three-week conversation where we look at uh, what we talk about when we talk about church. When I have the chance to do any kind of like, uh, like, a, like a meeting, right? It's like a staff meeting or a retreat of some kind. One of my favorite things to do about like kind of stirring imagination and stirring the mind is a game I call something else show and tell. Something else show and tell where you take an ordinary object and you like do show and tell, and you pretend, imagine that it is something completely different. For example, check out Miss Laura here. Hello there. Here at the Kearns household, whenever we find something cool, we like to share it with our friends. I'm about to share something with you that I think you will agree is pretty cool. Observe. If you've ever seen one of these... Now you know what to do with it. It is a flower vase. Yeah, right? I bet your mind is blown. Check this one out. I just found these laying on the side of the road. I mean, I'm not really sure who would just throw away perfectly good flower vases, but uh, there you have it. 
So when you see these guys laying on the side of the road, now you know what they're supposed to be used for. Grab them, bring them home, throw some flowers in them. You're welcome. It's important how we talk about things, right? I mean, that's really important. Have you ever been in a situation where you're on the phone with somebody and you need something like at your house, and they're at your house, but for the life of you, you can't find the words to describe exactly where it is? So I say you're on the phone with your spouse. She's like, I need my keys, or I need you know, the, the key to the post office box. Well, where is it? It's on that thing in our bedroom, right? You know, it's got four legs and it's kind of heavy. You'll always find it by the bed. The dog? No, the, the nah, what's the word? Right, the nightstand, right? How we use words to describe things matters. Um, man, so we are in a, a, a three-week conversation where we are looking at the words, the descriptions, uh, the ways that we kind of think about and activate church. This idea of who we are. And, and there's three reasons why we kind of stepped into this conversation. Uh, one is because I really genuinely felt the nudge from the Holy Spirit. Um, because I was talking with my seven-year-old son, Andrew, and in talking to him about the church uh, and just listening to our conversation, he began to refer to things like the building and Sunday morning and these certain things and these certain times. And I was like, man, not that those things are wrong, right? But they're just a very small sliver of what is fully the church. And I was like, man, I want him to know the full definition. Obviously, as well, man, it's an opportunity for us to, to, to cast vision, to gather together and hear what God is dreaming and envisioning for us as a church in this season. And finally, it, I mean, not only is that, it gives us opportunity to create space to hear his heart, to hear his heart for the church in every season and in every generation, and to hear his heart for us in this season as well. Please hear me. You are the church. You didn't come to church this morning. You are the church, which is why we've uh, borrowed one of Scott Erickson's uh, beautiful artistic renderings of the church. Um, this building, this property, man, it, it, it could find its way in, in, in rambles and in rumblings on the ground, but Vineyard Church of Baton Rouge would still be stand and strong and mighty. We could meet anywhere, at any time. We are the church. So, three quick conversations. Last week, this was the sentence we gathered around. I am, we are, a part of a family growing in God's tremendous love. Like first, let's see the beautiful metaphor and illustration that God uses when it comes to family, parts of the body. He talks about how we are all different parts, but all interconnected. Not only is that, it is growing and healthy and full of love. So we see our body grow and connect and continue to grow and connect all through his love. Today, we're going to talk about this. I'm, I'm, so I had like several different like ways to try to like shape this. Uh, if I were to give it like in just a couple of words, it'd be like we are stewards of stuff, right? We're stewards of stuff. But here, here is one try at it, right? I'm a host in a home. 
Well, let's talk about our church. Let's talk about our property and our, and our, and our, our spaces. I'm a host in a home where everyone is welcome, sharing in God's generous kindness. And because I do like get the chance to actually pick the words and decide like, what it is that we're going to say and be about, I chose these words. Not just a host in a home. What's the next one? I am a placemaker at a table where everyone is welcome, sharing in God's redonkulous kindness. It's not just generous. It's amazingly generous. It's incredibly kind. As we celebrated this morning, like it is forever. It is always it is there. I want you to join with me this morning in 2 Samuel chapter 9. It's the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you have an actual Bible in front of you and don't know where to find 2 Samuel 9 exactly, man, you can just use the table of contents. Uh, if you're using your phone, it should be pretty easy to find it with a, you know, a Bible app or just, you know, you can Google search 2 Samuel 9, and it's going to likely bring you to either Bible Gateway or version allow you to access it there. But this chapter, from beginning to end, is about 13 verses. It's pretty short, but it's this unique snapshot in the life of King David, where he decides, uh, maybe even better says, he vocalizes his desire to showcase and share the kindness of God. So 2 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's not very long, and it is, it's like completely in story form. So just like a great kid's book at bedtime, let's take a moment, let's read the story, and let's let our minds show us all the pictures. Perhaps even allow the Holy Spirit to give us some visualization of what is being recorded here. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, I'm happy to share mine with you on the screens. Again, 2 Samuel chapter 9 says, One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. And so he summoned a man named Ziba, who was one of Saul's servants. And he says, are you Ziba? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. Then the king asked him, is anyone still alive in Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, and he is crippled in both of his feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him. At the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And he replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Man, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? 
Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him. Produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, he will eat here at my table. It says that Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I'm your servant. I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. The first thing I want us to look at this morning, we see it in the first couple of verses, is that David's desire was to show God's kindness. So again, it says, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan is really good friend, Saul's son, Right? So Saul was king before David was king, and there was a lot of rivalry between David and Saul. And yet, despite that rivalry, David and Jonathan had an incredible kinship. That David, they, were in, they were great, great friends. And, and so David wanted to honor that friendship. Not only honor friendship, but show God's kindness in this season of his life. The word for kindness in this particular chapter and throughout the uh, Old Testament is the word chesed. That's fun, right? You should try saying it with me. Ready? Chesed. One more time. Let's go. Chesed. It's just as much fun as it is to say it's actually hard to translate because it's not just kindness, right? If I would say it's almost like, it's like the nuance of the heart of God. Like when we read in Psalm 23, which David wrote, right? Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. That loving kindness is chesed. Sometimes it's loyalty. Sometimes it is kindness uh, or mercy. Uh, faithful loving. It is this interesting like covenantal kindness. Like I'm committed to favorably pouring generosity and love and lavishing it upon you. Chesed. What's interesting that we see here is, again, David's desire to show God's kindness. Right? So King Saul, you can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 16. There was a point where he also like summoned someone like into his court and into his space. And it was David. But the reason why is because he wanted David to like soothe him. He wanted David to be like, he wanted David to minister to him. You know, and here we see David summoning Mephibosheth. Let's just call him Memphis from now on. <laughs> summoning Memphis. See how, see how much easier that is? Oh my goodness. Um, to come so that he can minister to him, so that he can pour kindness over him, so that he can show the loyalty, the mercy, the beauty of God's. God's heart. And then, like, I love how he says, is there anyone? 
So he's so proactive. So as we had this idea of like who we are, as we begin to ask that question and answer it again, who we are as the church, may we have that same mindset of like, man, like who can I bless? Who can I extend God's kindness to? Because the beautiful thing is we have room here at our table, right? You can see a few chairs available in our space. Who can I send? So it makes me think of, and I was looking at this, and I love because he asks it twice. Man, is there anyone I can show kindness to? Is there anyone in Saul's family I can show God's kindness to? I had a moment where I was like, how can we let this like really stick and press save in our brain? I was like, oh, it's like Goldberg in wrestling. <laughs> like Goldberg's whole stick was that he was undefeatable. He was this train wreck train, not train wreck, like a train just running through town of like 174 and 0. Who's next? Who's next? I will demolish you. So it isn't quite, but like we can take the same, like, okay, I've shown God's kindness. Now who's next? I've shown God's, who's next, right? Who's next? Who's next? I've got a story of showing God's kindness. I did that about a month ago. Now today, who's next? Can we be a house of who's next? I don't know, okay. No, probably not. Okay. Who's next? Man, um, how would you articulate God's kindness? That's the question I want to ask this morning. Because here's... Here's what I think is going on. Could be speculative. I think this is a safe, uh, like, deduction. David knows God's kindness. Like, he littered the Psalms with prayer and praise of the kindness of God, right? The chesed of God. And as he grows in it, as he knows it, as he, because it's not something you get once, man, you get it again. And again, and again, and he's like, I want to give that to somebody. So last week, we are, man, we are a part of a family, but we do, man, now we have a table, we have resources, we have stuff, and we are stewards of it. How can we take our stuff and show God's kindness? How would you articulate that? How would you describe that? How would you showcase that to someone else? The next thing, I want, uh, so the next slide, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, here we go. David says, I intend to show kindness to you, M- Memphis, because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. Man, I'm going to give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you, you, you will eat here with me at the king's table. It's one thing to give somebody a gift. It's one thing to be generous, right? You can, I mean, you can, you can give something to somebody and walk away. And that might bless them in that moment. It's a whole other thing. I think we've all been to middle school once in our lives to remember the gift in, hey, man, you can sit with me. Come, come sit with me. You got a place 
at my table. I'm telling you, like, that's not just a middle school illustration we can latch on to. Like, that's really happening here. Like, Memphis does not belong in Saul's space. He was an heir to the throne, right? And so what's fascinating about his story and why his broken feet are mentioned is that, like, there was a moment when Saul died and Jonathan died in the same battle. And when word got back to the caretaker of Memphis, when he was a young boy, five years old, she was frightened, and she picked him up, and she ran off. And the reason why she did that was to, like, protect him because it was customary at that time, like, when whoever's named king, in this case, it was David, who's somebody who's, like, outside of the family, it's not uncommon to, like, kill off any rival to the throne. So she was like, I don't want that to happen to this boy. So she picks him up, and she takes off, and she drops him. And that was what, that drop caused him to be lame in both of his feet for all of his life. And so, like this, like summoning to the king's table, however much longer it is, there's a little bit of like, you know, nervousness and anxiety. And they're like, why are you calling me over here? Right? And he's like, hey, don't be afraid. Right? I'm not calling you here to kill you. I'm calling you here to lavish kindness upon you. But let's not miss it. Memphis isn't supposed to be there. He doesn't belong at this table. This is David's table. It's his king's table. Like Memphis's time has come and gone. There was a time when he was in a royal family, but all that's dead and gone. And Lodabar, man, like that is a whole crazy thing. So Lodabar means like ain't nothing growing there. So he has this heritage when he was a young boy of being in lavish circumstances. Now he lives in a place where it's literally desertous and like nothing's growing. And yet he's being invited by the king into this place where you have a seat, you have food, you have provision, you have a home. King David says, man, you're going to eat here with me. David created space for Memphis. So one, we're going to show God's kindness because that's who we are. Two, man, let's create space for others. And then finally, man, I want us to see this because this is, this, is so, this is so good. Memphis bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? I mean, you can just see it. The discouragement, the hopelessness. Why am I even here? What? What? It's like the generosity seems misplaced. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to give me everything that my that belonged to my family at one time. You're going to welcome me at your table. Like, like what, what's the catch? Like, why, why do all that for me? I don't deserve, say, man, yeah. Can I just tell you for one moment, like, 
this might be the, the one thing that I would like to sit in all of our hearts when we have this conversation about who we are. The capital C church or the cool like corner of the kingdom right here at the Vineyard in Baton Rouge is that we're here. We have a table and we're going to make room for people who would say, man, Jesus isn't an option for me. Right? That church stuff, I don't know about that. I don't think I belong. You want me to go where on Sunday? Like, do you know who you're talking to? Do you guys feel me, though? There's a lot of people, because of a lot of, like, descriptions or preconceived notions or just stuff around, like, church. They, they wouldn't even, you couldn't pay them to be here. And that, personally, like, breaks my heart. I don't want any human on the planet to think Jesus isn't an option for them. I don't want any human in Baton Rouge, in greater Baton Rouge, or Zachary, or Denham, or all the towns that I haven't quite learned or driven to yet, right? Like, because I'm new here. Um, man, like, whew, I don't want people to, to resign to the fact that they are hopeless and Jesus isn't an option for them. So if we're going to talk about who we are, can we be a place who will generously welcome everyone? Everyone. This is what I, man, I would love for us. Here we go. Go ahead and put the next slide up. Let's share God's kindness in such a way that people are reminded of their worth. That they find new, lasting value in Christ. And they can't help but do the same for someone else. So last week, if we could wrap it up in two words, if I'm a part of a family growing in God's tremendous love, man, the simply the fact is that I belong. I belong. This week, if we're a steward of stuff, so I belong. I belong in a family. This week, man, I make room. We belong. We make room. And I'm going to say this, this last like, little finish. We need you. We, we need you and you and you and you and you, and you, and you. We're going to button up today. At the very, very end of the day, you're going to notice there is a table. You might have seen it on the way in. There's a table with a vase, a vase. Thank you for your vase, a vase on it, and several clipboards that will give you a chance to sign up for our, for our volunteer teams, for our host spaces, the media team, the greeting team, the coffee team. You can even sign up to light the Christ candle. Um, and it's not because we're short on volunteers kids ministry, right? There's, there's tons of them out there. It's not because we're short on volunteers. It is because my heart's desire is for our expression of God's kindness to be incredibly multifaceted and full. So if we have three people on the media team, that's cool. Like, there are going to be three individual stories with names and beauty and power and love. But what if we had seven all of a sudden, it's not like, oh, we have a, no, like we have a beautifully diverse, fully faceted, rich, all kinds of stories about God and his kindness, articulating it in different ways to everyone who walks into our space. All right, so this, let's be people who do that. We, we, we need you. We need your story. We need the way that, you, I, I did not tell Laura 
All I said was something else, show and tell. She decided on the vases. And it was epic, by the way, epic. Um, But that's her expression. That's her heart, her story, her imagination, her joy. What's yours? Whatever it is, man, I would 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 love for you to share that with those who come into our space and come to our table. All right, here's the deal. We need to wrap up. We're going to do that by honoring a couple who does this better than anybody. This is going to sound hyperbolic than anybody that I know so far in Baton Rouge. That's, not, that, that's legitimate. I, I can say that anybody, my, anybody that I know, that's hyperbolic. I'm talking too much. <laughs> Here's the deal. Ryan and Nikki Roten are freaking great at this. That's what I'm trying to say. Ryan and Nikki Roten are freaking great at this. And I'm not like forecasting the future so much as we are honoring the past and stirring it up and reminding us who we are as they have done in their incredible, consistent um, presence in our family. Um, They do it here. They do it at home. Uh, They do it in other pockets of their lives. They are chesed kind of people. Um, And they have some news to share. So I want to first honor them. You guys come on up. I want to first honor them, and I want to give them the floor for a minute so they can share what's going on in their lives. But yeah, you on this side. You on this side. Hear my heart and the heart of every person in this room. Thank you, and we love you. Cool. Here you go. Check it out. Listen to them. Yeah, come on. Give it. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> what is it? That's the one. So we have, uh, we want to do two things. We want to share some news, and then we want to share a little uh, insight into the the process and uh, the thing. So the news, first, we'll get it over with. We won't drag it out. We are moving to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, My company came to me some six, eight, ten weeks ago, I don't know, they, they asked me if I would be interested in this job they wanted me to take, and um, we got the job, and we took it, and we're going to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, so in the words of one of the greatest poets of the last couple of generations, Andre Young, you might know him as Dr. Dre, uh, we're ready for the next episode, right, <laughs> and uh uh, so the the insight, right? Um, uh, we love this community, uh, the Vineyard Baton Rouge community, the Greater Baton Rouge community, the surrounding Louisiana community. We um, we love it, and uh, I've been here ten years. Nikki's been here her whole life. Uh, it's it's home, and um, it will always be. Uh, that for us. There will always be a place for us here and a place in here for this. Um, We found the vineyard some years ago. I don't know how many. And our time here has been 
um, from my perspective, uh, wonderful. And I, I would like to share that the love that you all have poured into us over this last however many years, I don't know, and um, has been healing, it's been welcoming, it's been warmth, and we are excited uh, for the church, for each one of you, for where it's going. We are excited for Alan, and uh, we are immensely grateful for the love that y'all have poured into us. Every smile you have given me, every time you stopped out there to have a conversation with me, every time you shook my hand or gave me a hug, that's what I need. And you always gave me what I needed every time I needed it. And you never said no, and you never didn't. And, and sometimes you gave it to me when I needed it, and I didn't know that I wanted it. <laughs> and, and I'm more grateful for that than when I did know. And, uh, you know, we have attempted to pour into this community in the same way. Uh, when, when I asked God how much to give, he sounded a lot like John Fogarty from uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival in the song Fortunate Son. He said, more, 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 more. And, um, you know, that's because the wellspring of God never ends, and I'm supposed to come home empty every day. And so I leave every day to try to leave it all wherever. And uh, this church has provided a place for me to do that, and I'll, I will forever be grateful for that. And um, I'm going to close with two more song quotes. Uh, in the words of another great poet, but of the last four generations, Willie Nelson, uh, we are going to be on the road again. And then in, I'm going to quote Johnny Cash, but this was a Johnny Cash. He covered this song. It was somebody else who sang it. But this is not goodbye, but Godspeed. And till we meet again. I don't know where and I don't know when, but some sunny day we'll meet again. I did not prepare any snazzy quotes. Um, I just want to, from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys, first and foremost, for being a very real and authentic community for us that I had never experienced in any church at any point in my life before I came here. And what the Vineyard is, what's so beautiful about the Vineyard movement and this whole idea that everyone can play is that rich, beautiful, vibrant, living, breathing organism that was the church was here when we arrived and it absorbed us. And it used us for a while. And it's going to be, I have every confidence, a beautiful, thriving, vibrant, evolving community when we come back to visit many, many times in the future. I can't wait. It has been, I got to teach youth the other day, like sub in youth for the first time since I became children's director. And it was a whole, it was a whole new crop of kids. It was like all of the kids, your kids that I feel like I've gotten to raise. Thank you so much for trusting me with your children. It's been such a gift. He told me it was okay to cry. <laughs> so I'm gonna. Gosh, it's been so amazing to get to partner with you in the development of your children. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> they're beautiful, they're amazing, and they know God in such a real and authentic way. I'm so glad I got to play a tiny part in that. And I can't wait to come back in years and see the children that my children are growing up with 
that I've had so much fun doing life with the families of this church, with our older generations, with the younger generations coming up behind us, being family with this church, and I can't wait to come back and see your kids five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, being the leaders of this church. It has been such a gift to serve alongside you guys, to be discipled by you, to disciple you. And I know often I've seen people get up here when life, when leaders of this church in life sweeps them off in different directions. I remember Dan Powell one time said in a staff meeting that pastoring the church is like leading a parade, you know, because it's, all, it's like always doing the same thing, but it's not always the same group of people doing it. I think it's more like a river, you know. And um, so often when I see people up here, y'all commission them, but today I'd like to commission you. Because when I came to this church, I am like a socially awkward introvert. So like the first thing I did was like I found, yeah, <laughs> I found like, like reasons to be standing in a room full of people. Like the first thing I did was like, I'm going to be a greeter. Elena and I were talking about that this morning. So I like have a thing to say when I talk to people, you know, oh, here, program me, you know. <laughs> I am a teacher. I am so much more comfortable with your children than with you. Sorry, I am. <laughs> like you should see me sing and dance and act a fool back there, you know, with absolutely no inhibition. But um, I just like showed up and was willing to do the things I know how to do. And God took those things and he multiplied them and he used them to do beautiful things in my life, just like the gospel promises. And you guys trusted me that in that way. Like, I can't tell you how surreal it still is for me. I'm just some chick. And you guys let me pastor this church. You let me get up here and teach. I am a woman. I did not grow up in a church where that was okay. You know? And y'all let me do it. Y'all believe that the Holy Spirit can use me to do real things in God's kingdom. And I believe the Holy Spirit will, wants to use you to do real things in God's kingdom. And I cannot wait to come back and see what they are. So um, that's it. That's it. I have no ending. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> come on. So this is not the last time that we're going to see them, right? I do want to take just a quick minute and, and pray over them, uh, just real quick. And then we're going to have communion and we're going to go. Um, let's take a minute and pray. If you, if you want to, man, extend your hands uh, toward them. Uh, if you would like to physically, uh, you know, demonstrate how you're spiritually vibing with them. The more important thing is spiritually vibing. So if you're like, man, I don't want to hold my arm up because it'll get tired, that's cool. Like just spiritually vibe, and let's, uh, let's give them a portion of the Holy Spirit. God, thank you for the rodents. Thank you for your calling of life. Thank you for their enthusiasm, um, how they are a picture of both joy and endurance and stick-to-itiveness, um, humility, honesty. I ask, God, that you will put your hands on their lives again. It's obvious that you have. Be wind at their backs as they say yes to your invitations of adventure. Deliver them, Lord. 
and deliver others with their days. We ask all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.